been wanting to, uh, you know, stretch my legs, get up here and teach in front of you guys. And, and by the way, thank you for your grace um, uh, for having me. Uh, and I, I, I pray that I'll be pr- putting something forward here today that will be of value to you. So I, I gave uh, uh, Michael a call or in, and, and talked to Michael and Bob and Alec and said, hey, I'd like to teach on one of the Tuesday mornings if you'll have me. And they said, sure. And then uh, just like that, I had a topic, um, overcoming self-centeredness. <laughs> and I thought, okay, they, they, sure, they sure seemed right away to know what topic to give me. Um, I claimed, no, I can't do that. I'm overqualified for that topic. You'll have to give it to some, someone else. Um, they didn't fall for that. Um, so here I am. And so I guess what I... I feel like I need to do now is pray, and uh, I will thank uh, Joe Terry for his wonderful walk-up music he always gives us, and I'm going to steal it from him. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I've I've always loved that, always helped center me. uh, whether I've got something to listen to or whether I've got something to say. So, Joe, thanks. I hope you won't uh, uh, be borrowed that. Uh, let's see. Where are we today right now? That's me. You all know that. Oh, that's nice. Chuck LaPay here? No? Darn, this is all wasted if Chuck isn't here. Or maybe Christopher. Maybe you're not, pl- maybe you're not pleased either. There we go. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, hey, I'll take it. I'll take that nut. That's fine. Uh, pretty cool play. Uh, go watch it on uh, YouTube uh, if you haven't. I'm sure there's great memes coming. So self-centeredness. Um, in this chapter, Getz opens up. He cites uh, Titus 1.7. Uh, For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed. I added the uh, verse after a uh, little from uh, verse 9, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. So, do this so that this, right? We want to be credible leaders. We want to be credible Christians. Um, We want to be able to deliver the word in a way that people will receive it openly, right? Um, And there's nothing like uh, hypocrisy or self-centeredness to turn somebody off sometimes of what it is you might have to share with them. Uh, I always love the Greek, uh, interpret- the Greek translations, the word authody, uh, appearing twice in the New Testament, once in Titus 1.7, once in 2 Peter, and I'll show you that in just a second. Um, last week, Mike talked to us about addictive behavior, so today my theme is kind of, well, what if the thing I'm addicted And so this will be self-centeredness, and, and uh, hopefully I have some good stuff to say about it. I keep wanting to say next slide. I guess that's what I'm used to doing, huh? That's me. So um, what does self-centeredness impact? Uh, Gets um, stresses early in his book. That's an avoid area. Guess stresses early in his book that we should maintain a good reputation, and that's a theme that's come up in, in several of the chapters. Well, why is that? And in relationship to self-centeredness, I, I think it's because of a calling for three things. One, we're called to be leaders. We want to be focused on the mission and knowledge. We mentioned the Titus 1-7, and 
uh, describing traits of a good leader. Second Peter 2.10, where you find that word authody again, is actually describing the traits of false leaders, people who you would not want to follow. And then, of course, because I love apostles being apostles, I, I put in a reference here to John 4.34. Um, certain woman at the well, he told her everything she's ever done. She's amazed. She says, I want some of that water. Give me that water. And uh, then she goes back to her village and she tells everybody, hey, there's this guy. He's told me everything I've ever done. Come and listen to him. And so they're on their way. And the apostles, being good buddies, want to make sure uh, their leader, Jesus, doesn't get hungry. So they they say, hey, Rabbi, you know, have something to eat. And he says, "Um, I have food that you don't know about. And and this is the apostles being apostles. They're like, Somebody bring him some food? What'd you, did you bring him some food? Thomas, did you bring him some food? I doubt it. And uh, he, says, sorry. he says, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He's focused on the mission. And that's the kind of leaders we should strive to be. We're also called to be witnesses. Uh, our traditional view of witnesses, maybe in a dock, in a courtroom with a prosecutor, a defense attorney getting asked questions, wanting to provide credible answers wanting to provide something of value that people will believe. Uh, In Galatians 5, we have the fruits of the Spirit listed. Um, And then following the listing of the fruits of the Spirit is a couple of interesting little passages. We're crucified, we have crucified the flesh, and we strive to keep in step with the Spirit. These are the things that that, uh, um, characterize a Christian, these fruits of the Spirit. Having crucified our fleshly desires, trying to walk in, in step with the Spirit. Self-centeredness works in opposition to that credibility. Um, in John 5.30, Jesus says, By myself I can do nothing. My judgment is just, again, because I seek not to please myself, but, the, but him who sent me. He's saying, again, you can believe what I tell you. Am, am I seeking my own gain? No, I'm here to serve. I'm here to seek the will of God who sent me. This is why my judgment, this is why my testimony is trustworthy. And we're called to love. We're called to love without seeking our own. 1 Corinthians 13, we often call the love chapter, right? All this great list of things love is and several things that love isn't. And one thing love isn't is seeking its own. We're also called to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is a wonderful model that all of us husbands um, can think of, a, a great model of um, lack of self-will, of, being, of concentrating on the good of someone else. We're also called to love with maturity. This is one of my uh, favorite Bible verses. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish ways. Childish ways. Is not self-centeredness, self-centeredness kind of the whole um, collection of childish things we need to put behind us? Um, I love using that uh, phrase on my kids. They don't love it so much because I'm telling them to put away childish ways. Self-centeredness can taint your leadership, taint your testimony, and taint your love. This is uh, my takeaway for this slide. What causes self-centeredness. Well, Getz describes two primary causes, uh, some pretty deep psychology he, he gets into, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I'm not qualified, but he talks about children through overindulgence having learned that 
the world is going to serve them. It's going to provide for their needs. And he talks about childhood repression where parents or um, through repression of the self-will, natural self-will of the child, drive that self-will underground until later in an adult it emerges monstrously as hyper-will. Now I have, excuse me, have a little asterisk there. Uh, well, sometimes that repression is even stronger. It just breaks the will of the child, and then as adult, uh, they, they're weak-willed, they're pleasers. It's uh, uh, another strong psychological problem that, well, I can't solve. But to suffice it to say, know that if you recognize any of these tendencies in yourself, they um, quite likely have a strong influence by your parents, uh, your childhood, Likewise, uh, we as fathers have a strong influence on, on the will of our children and uh, how they're going to develop. Bear that in mind of to be, how much to allow your children to fail, whether you're repressing their self-will in any way. But I think there's a um, larger, more general cause of self-centeredness, um, and that is we were born. Um, it's uh, the number one cause of self-centeredness, I think, is uh, having emerged into this world. Uh, we hear Marty talk about it from time to time. Uh, we don't have to teach our children to be selfish, right? We don't have to teach them to take toys, to hold things, to cry, to throw fits. These are all self-centered behaviors that we come out, you know, installed at the factory, and uh, hopefully we can unlearn them. We don't have to learn selfishness, but hopefully we can unlearn it, um, and become those adults uh, modeled in Philippians 2. Um, avoid, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but always seek uh, to see others as better than yourself. Always seek the good for others. This is what we should strive to do. Our selfish sin nature, unchecked, will become habitual self-centeredness. How do we detect self-centeredness? Well, I like to think of self-centeredness as a bad habit, as I just said. And like other bad habits, it comes in varying degrees. Self-centeredness can be something that shows up rarely in your life. It can be an occasional trait, helps you make decisions. Or it can be a very uh, prominent part of your whole persona, your decision-making strategy. I got mine. I'm going to get mine. How do I respond when I don't get mine? Again, if it grows unchecked, it's going to lead people to feel uncomfortable around you, lose respect for you, perhaps avoid you altogether. Um, a personal story of where, where kind of I saw maybe some scales falling from my eyes a little bit about self-centeredness. Um, I, I used to have lunch uh, every other Thursday with Joel Bales. Then the, the, the guy went and moved away. Now what do I do on Thursday, every other Thursday? Um, we did this for years and years, and, and early on, maybe after a year, I, I, I started to notice something. What did I notice? He was always finishing his lunch before I did. He was always, he's finished with lunch, I got a lot, I got food left. Why was that? Go ahead. I was doing all the talking, exactly. Uh, and, and this was a blessing and a realization to me I'm sucking all the oxygen out of this meeting with this guy, right? Now, granted, if you're going to suck oxygen in a meeting, Joel Bale's a pretty good guy to suck it from. And there's a lot of guys, 
yeah, let's let it go. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of guys in this room I would recommend you sit down and have lunch with and talk to about the things that are troubling you, and they will, they'll provide good wisdom. And there are times you need to go sit down with somebody and unload. Yes, you're going you're gonna, to um, rule the conversation in those cases, but your life should be about balance, and your meetings with friends should be about balance, even with mentors. Um, so then I sort of started playing this game with myself to see if I could finish lunch before Joel, and, and I did. I found out he had le- act, actually had some good things to say, too. <laughs> Let's see, what do I have next here? Oh, yeah, you know, loved ones can be real helpful pointing out our faults, right? Um, self-centeredness is one of those touchy ones. Um, you can ask your loved ones to help you uh, with self-centeredness. Um, right, you got to be careful with this, right? There has, to be, there has to be the proper kind of ground to grow this kind of, uh, to produce this kind of fruit. There needs to be vulnerability. There needs to be honesty. There needs to be trust. So I, uh, I'm sitting down uh, a, a week or so ago. I've got papers all around me, books, Bibles, Internet, psychology, websites, whatnot. And I'd say to Rebecca, so I'm preparing this talk on self-centeredness, and it's really kind of opening my eyes a lot. I've got a, it <laughs> seems like every website I go to is a picture of me right on it, right? Um, I was going to do that. Doggone, I forgot. You know, look up self-centeredness in the dictionary and then have a picture of me. You guys would have laughed, right? When you left? Okay, good. Thank you. Um, so I said to Rebecca, I'm doing this research. Everything looks like me. I'd like your help. And Anytime I say that, she looks suspiciously at me. I said, hey, if you notice me engaging in any self-centered behavior, maybe you could give me either a virtual or actual kind of nudge in the ribs. Rebecca looks at me. She says, I don't really think you want me to do that. (laughs) So, again, more thinking for Jack to do now. I don't have that ground plowed quite like it needs to be, right? Um, perhaps in the future sometime, um, I'll, I'll have that, she'll have that trust where she can uh, come to me and talk to me like that. If you have that in your marriage, God bless you. Or maybe it's like Rebecca followed up with, I don't think any man alive wants their spouse to come tell them they're being self-centered. <coughs> or maybe not, that's that one. So a sincere self-examination of recent decisions can detect self-centeredness. You know, why did I do that? And especially, <coughs> we, do, we do this as men, I think, especially when something goes bad. We sit and we stew and we go, geez, why did I do that, right? Um, and I'm not saying this is something you only do when something has gone off the rails. You can look at recent decisions, uh, good, bad, and different decisions, and say, what was driving me to decide what I did there? Um, and perhaps was it nothing more than my self-will, nothing more than what I wanted to do that led me to that decision, that led me that, to that action. We all have red flag areas probably where this is concerned. Things, these are the things we don't want other people messing with. Maybe uh, the hobbies I like to engage in. Maybe the way I like to run the finances. Maybe the way I like to run the project team at work. Uh, the way I like presentations done, um, you know, so I can do animation in slides. I like it that way, right? Um, so you may have red flag areas where someone else starts to tread on those. You feel some emotion, 
anger, resentment, frustration, superiority. This is one with me, with, with my wife. I always seem to want to say that thing that says, I actually know a little more about this topic than you do, sweetie. Right? Doesn't that work real good? That's a good idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd say with me, this is a biggie. I always think I've got something else to add here. I have some value to add to this to this topic. So let me go ahead and add it because I know everybody's really going to appreciate it. So think about your red flag areas. And again, they, they tend to make themselves known if you pay attention because they create an emotion, right? Someone steps on something, all of a sudden it's not, I may not get my way here and that emotion starts. It's a response. Sometimes self-centeredness is nothing more than a response to the possibility of me not getting my way. Consistent, sincere self-examination help you detect self-centeredness. So how do we, come, how do we overcome self-centeredness? What's the opposite of self-centeredness? Yeah, I got a word here, though. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about others-centeredness? All of, those are, all of those are good, by the way. We don't have to have it my way here. If I could make all those display, I would... Other-centeredness. Do that and do it intentionally. I can tell you this, makes, this takes, at least for if you're like me, this takes a very specific decision to try to do this intentionally and to pay attention and to keep doing it intentionally because it's not natural as we discussed before. It's simple, but it's not easy. Um, so first... And I thank Pastor Michael for reminding me to uh, talk about this. Pray for the Spirit to lead you in this. This is, <laughs> this is one of the wonderful things, uh, you know, that we're, it, when we decide to become Christians, we decide to follow Christ, we get a choice to model our lives after Christ. We get this toolbox. We all love toolboxes, right? We get this toolbox of prayer, of verses, of Scripture to meditate on. I listed on the uh, note sheet... Um, some Bible verses that are curated kind of specifically about self-centeredness. Um, use them as you will. Add to them if you will. Um, if you do not pray about this, if you do not seek the Spirit's leading in this, if you're doing it in your own flesh, you're leaving a foothold for the devil to step in and run it for you. And that's not going to turn out well. Take moments and thoughts captive. What do I mean by this? Well, I kind of, ref- I kind of alluded to it earlier. It's a void area. I kind of alluded to it earlier. You have to be intentional. Stop what you're doing sometimes and think about, okay, do I have an option here to be others-centered? And, and it can be, this can be a time when it doesn't even really matter that much. But just sometimes, and this is what I told Cooper the other day. Cooper's my youngest son. Um, I, I told him, you should clean up your room because... Because he's like, why should I clean up my room? Well, practicing things that don't even seem that don't seem like oh, they're all that important give you uh, ability to be disciplined when they do become important. Um, so what I'm saying is, you take a moment or a thought, take an uh, option for a decision. Doesn't really matter that much. Choose the other way. Choose not your own way on this. Take it captive. Make a different choice. Implement a sincere, preemptive self-examination of your decision. We, disa- we, dis- we talked about kind of reviewing decisions earlier to kind of see where self-centeredness might appear in my past. 
Now we're going to talk about, this is about seeing it in your present, avoiding it in your future, is preemptive self-examination. Hey, I got a decision coming up. How can I decide this for others instead of for myself? Um, let's see, I want to make sure I don't skip anything important. Oh, or skip anything valuable. Um, <coughs> La the week before last, we traveled to Texas. Uh, so uh, Cooper and Rebecca and I went to Texas to see uh, uh, Carter and Tanner, my two older sons who are at Texas A&M. And then and maybe, maybe you can relate to this. A trip is I'm in charge. And, and, and I don't mean that as like necessarily I take charge, but everybody's all of a sudden looking to me for a lot of decisions. How are we going to get there? What kind of car are we going to drive? Where are we going to eat? Where are we going to stay? You know, what are we going to do all day? A lot of things. Um, I feel like uh, sometimes up to four sets of eyes looking at me to make decisions about this. And, and as I was in the, because I was in the middle of preparing this talk, um, I thought, hey, here's some great opportunities for me to practice other-centeredness. And I got to shove off a lot of these decisions. It was really great. It was really liberating. I got to listen to my family make a discussion, make a, uh, have a discussion about something, and then say nothing. Just say, and they all look at me, and I'm like, sounds good to me. Let's do that. Or say, Carter, you decide where we're going to eat. Wherever you all want to go, that's fine. Um, again, because I have a particular challenge in this area, and you guys might not, I tend to like to be a, uh, you know, a mission director, a mission commander, right, Dave? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this thing happen from chocks out until we land. This thing's going to go right because it's going to go my way, right? And this is an opportunity to look at other people and have, have them take some of the, take some of the, make some of the choices and, and then spare them from my valuable input. Sometimes we let a, we can let a conversation, I, I just learned this, right? I can let a conversation happen, think in my head, I don't know about that. But let it stay in there, right? Just let it stay in there. Uh, perform intentional repeated acts of selflessness. We kind of talked about that. Fast. I call this a fast from your own desires. Let other people intentionally, purposefully doing things the other way. You can develop a, a good habit of other-centeredness, Right? It's like a muscle, um, and, and like a muscle, it'll respond very well to exercise, and it'll respond very poorly to neglect. I'm quite sure that having delivered this uh, talk this morning, I can now return to my normal life and not worry about being other-centered anymore. I go right back to there. That muscle will just go pew, right? I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that uh, <coughs> I'll be... Uh, Discipline to, to stay with it. Oh, yeah. How does, uh, that was one, one thing I put on there. How does Jack fast from his own desires? Mostly he zips the lip. Just close, you know, just let it happen without you, man. See, the ship makes it to the next port even if I don't put in a whole bunch of rudder commands. So a couple of notes. Um, one that I felt was significant that gets mentioned in his book is um, if, if a person has a type of self-centeredness that is a result of childhood repression, this is, he talks about repression of the self-will of the child, um, this is hard to detect, it's hard to combat. Um, 
he recommends, you know, considering even um, competent professional Christian counseling. Uh, I, I have... I have been to a competent professional Christian counselor. It, it is very helpful. I would encourage anyone who's struggling in this area uh, to consider that. Certainly talk to loved ones, talk to pastors. This is the sort of thing that can be combated, but it's tough. Um, and, and if you had repressive parents, uh, you probably know it, uh, but you might not realize all the areas in which it's impacted your life. Also, uh, don't get addicted to the cure. There's plenty of people out there who are not self-centered that are also not particularly healthy, right? We have over-pleasers. Uh, we have folks who don't respect even normal boundaries, uh, reasonable boundaries for themselves, reasonable boundaries for their families. When you choose to do something, recall, remember that you're unchoosing something else. And so think about those things you're unchoosing, even when you choose to help people. Make sure you're respecting reasonable personal boundaries, protecting your family, etc. I think that's about, all. I'm about out of time, aren't I? Am I supposed to go to 6.30? Okay, uh, read Bo's Cafe. I was going to put that out for you. Uh, my good friend Mark Randolph recommended this book. It's about grace. Great book for men. Highly recommend it. Uh, ride in a car with Harry and Mike if you ever want to be held accountable. Uh, and that's about it. Hear your discussion questions. Before I, I turn you loose, I just want to uh, say a quick prayer for us all. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for your word. Thank you for your lessons. Um, you gave your life for us, not because we are worthy, but because you feel we are worth saving. May we earn that. Amen.